You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the saints, uh, the angels and the demons, that's our topic today, although it uh, probably would be wise to say a word or two about uh, Jesus' instruction about cutting off your hands first. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, this is Matthew, for it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptations come. It's, uh, and then, Jesus says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin. Now, th- this is the type of sin that matches with the temptation that he's talking about. Woe to the world if you bring the temptations to the little ones. In other words, the sin that it's talking about is a soul-destroying, faith-destroying sin. Jesus, and this is a good reminder for us, it is a very good reminder, because the devil is always tempting us to spiritual apathy. Jesus is saying there is nothing more important in this world, nothing more important than your faith and trust in me, that you hear and believe my word of promise, that you trust in me in joy and in sorrow, in life and in death. Your trust in me... Your believing in me is the most important thing in your life. And if anything were to get in the way of that, then you would rather lose it than lose me. If it's your hand, if it's your foot, if it's your eye, anything that would draw you away from Christ and His kindness should be cut off. And it's true. Of course, it's not our hands or our feet or our eyes that are the problem. Sin comes from our heart. And what we really need to be able to avoid this kind of soul-destroying sin is a, is a heart transplant. For someone to take out our heart of flesh, uh, our heart of stone, and give us a heart of flesh. To take out our heart of sin and give us a heart that believes. And that, dear saints, is exactly what Jesus does in your baptism. He gives you a, 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 an organ don- donation. He, he takes your old sinful heart and He delivers to you a heart that believes in His Word. A heart that trusts in Him. A heart that knows, a heart that knows that His Word in the Bible is true. And that is what Jesus is talking about. I think it's a bit strange that this Matthew 18 is the gospel text for uh, St. Michael and all angels, but it is, I suspect, for the very last two verses. Where Jesus says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the text where we get our doctrine of guardian angels. That the angels who are assigned to the children see the face of the Father in heaven. But it is from the Scriptures that we learn everything that we know about the angels and the demons, because we don't see them. At least most of the time we don't see them. But the Scriptures tell us that the angels and the demons are here. They're everywhere. They surround us, even this morning. The prophets and the apostles. In fact, uh, of the 66 books of the Bible, 59 of them talk about the angels. And it's good for us to be brought back to the Uh, to this sort of uh, reality, to this check that we remember that even though we don't see them, we walk with angels all the way. 
They surround us. And so do the demons. But first, the angels. Perhaps we don't think of the angels often enough, but we praise the Lord, especially on on this day, we praise the Lord that the angels think of us and that they are concerned with us, the Lord's church. The angels are spiritual beings. That is, they don't have bodies. They were never meant to have bodies. And they are the Lord's servants. When we turn to the Scriptures, we see the angels doing two things almost constantly. The angels are singing and fighting. (laughs) They are beings of sword and song. The angels were there when God created the earth. In in fact, this is one of my most favorite of all verses from Job 38, where the Lord has come to Job and He's reminding him of the work of the angels. God says to Job, Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements? You know. Who stretched out the line? Who, who, who are on what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? This morning star is a reference to the angel. And this is the picture that God gives of creation. That as God is creating the world and, and putting all these things together, that the angels are there created and singing for joy at the work that the Lord has done. In other words, this work of creation is done as God is surrounded by this angelic choir. And the angels are there at the end, like they were at the beginning, singing praises to God. They stand before the face of God eternally, singing holy, 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 like we did in the verse. In fact, the entire book of Revelation of Jesus is given, that's given to us is punctuated every few chapters by, by looking into, the, into, into heaven, the heavenly council, and seeing there the angels sing the praise of God. Here's the last stanza of this angelic hymn. This is Revelation 16. I heard the angel in charge of the waters saying, Righteous are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It's what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So the angels are there at the beginning and there at the end singing God's praises and all in between fighting and singing and beating back the devil and his demons and protecting the Lord's people. The Bible tells us, this is Galatians 3, that the angels were there to give Moses the original copy of the Ten Commandments. And then 700 years after this, when the Assyrians were surrounding, this is an incredible story. This is 2 Kings 19. When the Assyrians were surrounding the city of Jerusalem, time of Isaiah and Hezekiah, to destroy it, one angel went out and slaughtered 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night and sent them back home. Especially when we turn to the Bible, we see the angels tending to Jesus. It was the angels who announces the incarnation to Mary. It's the angel who appeared to Joseph and give him the name for Jesus, his stepson. It was the, angel who sh- the angels who sang to the shepherds and sent them to Bethlehem to the manger to behold the baby Jesus. It's angels who appeared to Joseph and sent the holy family down to exile in Egypt so that the life of Jesus would be spared from the slaughter of the innocents. 
The angels were there to comfort Jesus after His 40 days of temptation with the devil. After His agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the angels were there in the tomb of Jesus even when He wasn't. In the Easter Gospel, we hear the, the, these beautiful words of the angel. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And even in the book of Acts, all through the early church, the angels are with the apostles as the, Lord, as the Lord's Word goes forth. The angels watch over the church. They protect the Lord's little ones. They protect all who believe in Jesus. They carry our souls, and this is a marvelous teaching of the Scripture. The angels are the ones who carry our souls to the face of Jesus after we die. So from beginning to end and in every place, the Lord sends His angels to take care of us. And we thank God for their ministry. But there is a flip side to this spiritual reality, and that is the demons who have as their only ambition the overthrow of the Lord's Word and everything that's good. The demons, we know from the Scriptures, were created as angels to be servants with all the other angels of the Lord and His church, but the devil rebelled and one-third of the angels rebelled with him, and these are the demons. We don't know the, the day that the angels were created. It must have been part of the first six days, probably early on in the six days. Uh, because before those six days, there was only God. And at the end, it says God rested from His work. And we also don't know the day that the devil rebelled and that the angels became demons, but it must have been after the sixth day, after God looked at all that He had created and said about it, it is very good. So sometime between the sixth day and the temptation of Adam and Eve, the devil and the demons fell. And from that very early point, it has been the work, their sole endeavor, to bring darkness and to bring death, especially eternal death. The devil's ambition is to drag everyone he can with him to judgment. And the demons are generally working in the world, but they are specifically working in the church. And this is because, and this is good for us to remember, while the devil can no longer bring temptation and death to Jesus, he then can bring temptation and death to us. You see, the devil's hatred for Jesus is poured out on you who belong to Jesus. The devil is after two things, the church and the Christian conscience. And he would bring violence and confusion to both. The devil targets both our faith and our love. So that by, by targeting our faith, he would cause us to doubt the gospel, that God is merciful to us in Christ, that there is peace between God and man, that our sins are forgiven. And he is after our love, our love for one another. One person sins against another in our families or in the church, and sometimes, and you know how this goes, sometimes you're the one sinning, sometimes you're the one sinned against, sometimes it's all happening at once, and then this life is just a big kind of, knotted up yarn ball of sin anyhow. And then the devil comes along with this sin and he tempts us to be angry, to be bitter. I don't have to love that person. Or if they go to church, then I'm not going. Or whatever it is. I suspect that for each of us, we don't have to think too hard until we begin to recognize the voice of the devil tempting us towards anger and sin and bitterness. Tempting us away from the faith or tempting us away from church, or tempting us away from loving our neighbor. 
But all of this work of the devil is done in secret. We don't see the devil and his demons. They don't show up and talk to us face to face. And it's why the Scripture is always reminding us that they are here and reminding us to be on our guard. Paul reminds the saints of God in Ephesus, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, says St. Paul, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. It is the devil who fights against us. It is the devil that we war against, not each other. And the devil never forgets about us. The devil never rests. The devil with fanatical rage is determined to destroy the church and he is, and he is determined to destroy you. I think it's especially when we remember this that we give thanks to God for the ministry of the angels who protect us. It's Revelation 12 that gives us the picture uh, most clearly in the Bible of the battle of the angels and the demons. The picture in Revelation 12 is this. At the beginning of the chapter, the woman is given birth to the child who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. This is the Old Testament Israel, and this is talking about the birth of Jesus. And the devil was there to destroy Jesus, but he failed, and he was caught up into heaven. That's, in one verse, really, the birth and ministry and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. All there together. And then watch what happens. As this child is brought up into the heavenly council, the text says that there's now no longer any place for the devil there. So Michael, the archangel Michael, brings the victory of Jesus to bear on the devil and casts him out. Destroy him. Throws him down to the earth. And he does this with the only weapons that can destroy the devil. With the word of God and the blood of Jesus. This is, this is most important to remember. The devil is not overcome by our good works. He's not overcome by our efforts. He's certainly not overcome by our strength. He's overcome by the word of God and the blood of Jesus. Here it is, Revelation 12:11. And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. And this, dear saints, is where these verses bring us joy. For it might be, in fact, it should be a bit frightful to consider the devil and his unceasing work. But God has given the victory. And the victory is in the Word of God. And the victory is in the blood of Jesus. And that is our business here today. That you come to church is for the purpose of hearing the Word of God and drinking the blood of Jesus. That you would hear the Word of the Lord's kindness. That you would hear His absolution. That His name and His mercy and His love would be spoken into your ears and your heart. And that you would do at the Lord's bidding what He commands and take and drink. This is, after all, what Jesus says, His body given for you for the, or His blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And it is precisely by these two things, by these gifts, that the work of the devil is undone. 
And the reason, and this is simply marvelous, and the reason is because in the hearing of the word and the taking of the Lord's blood, the work of God is done. By these gifts, the word and the blood, there is not violence and confusion, but peace and comfort. And the confidence of faith, both in the church and in your own conscience. By these gifts, the Lord unravels the devil's kingdom because He forgives your sins. With these gifts, the Lord destroys the devil because He opens to you the way of everlasting life. With these gifts, the devil's work has come to nothing because now you're forgiven and there is nothing to fear. Not the devil and all the demons. Not death, sickness, pain. What is there to fear? Jesus puts His name in you, His body and blood in your very mouth. He loves you. There is nothing left for the devil to accuse because your sin has been forgiven. Because your eternal life has been established. Because your Savior has given Himself to you and now takes you as His own. So we today remember the unseen reality of the angels and demons. We remember that the demons and the angels are all around us. But we have an even greater unseen reality in the very body and blood of Jesus in, with, and under this bread and wine. And we know that by it the Lord Himself is present to bless us and to keep us from all danger until He Himself brings us to eternal life. And this is our great confidence. And this is our great peace. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.